0: You're listening to Under the Current, a podcast that tells the real stories behind the life and work of creative people who come at things in unconventional ways. In each episode, we go below the surface to better understand the highs, lows, and messy middles that are part of the journey. My name's Howard Gray, and I'm your host. Starting a new company? Let's be honest, it's hard. In the midst of a global pandemic? Yeah, definitely hard. Compared to a decade ago, there are now far more places to get support in those early days. But Andrew Hutton and the team at Day One feel there are still some gaps that urgently need to be filled. With the belief that entrepreneurship is going to be the most important skill of the 21st century, Day One are seeking to rethink the way early stage companies get built going beyond the narrative of venture capital as the be all and end all, and to support all kinds of founders who are focused on outcomes, not just achievements. In this conversation, we get into challenging the conventions around building early stage companies, the identity shift when becoming a founder, how to focus on outputs first, and understanding which game you're really playing. It's time to go Under the Current with Andrew Hutton. Before we get started, here's a message from our sponsor. This episode of Under the Current is sponsored by Wavetable. Yeah, we know we produced this podcast, but hey, better us than some random company trying to sell you overpriced towels and bedsheets, right? Anyway, beyond high-quality Egyptian cotton and soft, luxurious Belgian linen... Figuring out better ways to communicate, learn, and collaborate have become more valuable than ever. Maybe you're ready to go and monetize your particular genius, or are seeking new ways to build your audience. Perhaps you know your clients or team members to serve online interactions that go way beyond webinars and long, drawn-out meetings. Whichever way you're going, Wavetable have got your back. We create interactive learning experiences with some of the world's leading brands and creators. And we're delighted to announce In Session, a place for you to develop new and engaging ways to share your ideas and expertise with the world. Our range of toolkits, courses, office hour sessions, and live interactive workshops will help you build your skills in experience design, content creation, facilitation, and so much more. And there's not a dull webinar in sight. To become part of the future of learning, just head to wavetable.net. Andrew, welcome along. Uh, Where are you coming to us from today?
1: Howard, thanks for having me. I am here in snowy Brooklyn. Out the door is a nice, pristine patio full of snow that we haven't trodden in. It's like a snow globe here. We uh, stay inside and see the white snow outside.
0: (laughs) I'm also in Brooklyn. It's starting to melt here
1: a little bit, just a little bit. Our patio happens to be on the ground floor of a decently big building, and our patio is never in the sun, especially in the winter. Zero sun, so we're gonna have snow until like April, like when so it gets playing, nice. You're, you're blessed
0: with the picture perfect winter wonderland for about four months.
1: Exactly, slightly longer than most. Um, yeah, no, no slush. We were out out yesterday on the other side in the, in the real world, and it was slushy, and it's starting to uh, to get New York, <laughs> New York like
0: other than slushing around. Uh, what have I interrupted you doing today?
1: Just another day, um, feels odd, we're recording this. Uh, the week before Christmas feels like another week, <laughs> even though it is uh, Christmas very soon. Um, but uh, no, we happen to be, I was just reflecting with my team. Um, we have a small team of five and I'd love to get into, I'm sure that's where we'll get into, but um, you know, we had a Monday kickoff and it, it, there was a moment to say like, hey, the last month, a month ago, we had another milestone, we finished our first program. And it was nice to sort of sit back and be like, we kind of knew we had two months between programs one and two. And so to today ish, we took a moment to mark the middle of this, like, in between time, and we, we set out for ourselves decently ambitious goals for what to do in that in between time. And it was nice to say, hey, we have a lot to do, but we're on track, you know, Um, so kind of, as we go into the, whatever the next two weeks are, you know, some people will be off, some people will be on. Um, it's, uh, it's good to look back. You know, we're a startup living literally month at a time. <laughs> every, every month feels like a, literally a new season, right? So starting January is, is, is a whole other thing. And so we have a tiny little, you know, little break to kind of reset before the next month push. And then the next big month will happen in the next month. So I don't know, that's sort of where my mind and actions are at. But it all blurs together because I'm just here at my kitchen table here in Brooklyn. <laughs> so <laughs> like I every other that, day. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: So I, th- I think that kind of gets to maybe a theme of today's conversation around days, weeks, months, no pun intended with day one, but we're definitely going to be talking about sort of days, weeks, months, and time quite a lot. Um, where I wanted to start, and we're gonna definitely gonna get into day one more specifically as we go, but I wanted to start with like labels and points mm-hmm. is where I wanted mm-hmm. to start. And I think with being a, a founder there are like labels associated with being like a founder or entrepreneur, obviously that's a, a label we wear. Uh, and there's also like labels around like, are you funded by VC? Are you not funded? Are you bootstrap? That's a label. And then if you are funded, there's like these sort of points that are kind of somewhat arbitrary sometimes of like what, what is like a funding point and what's a milestone and all this, all this kind of stuff. And I think they're in place for a reason. Um, but I wanted, wanted to start with talking about why you think this is so prevalent, like kind of in the social, in the kind of constructs of entrepreneurship and particularly in tech, but more generally. Yeah. And maybe what maybe what you see as being like some of the issues around like labels and points and everything being quite sort of binary, I suppose.
1: Yeah, I think, um, I, I mean, I love this topic. I, I, I think we're living through a bit of a, a shift and hopefully we can, you know, contribute to the dialogue and push it along, which is... Um, there's, there's, you know, at least in the early stages of building a business, and I almost wrote this a little article over the weekend called Let's Rethink Early Stage, right? Um, and this might be a little, I didn't get to finishing it, so it's, it's still unformed thoughts, but, you know, early stage investing means something but it actually means a whole lot, right? Someone could call themselves early stage as an investor and be a series A investor, right? It's all relative. It's earlier than the rest of the funding rounds. Yeah. Duh. Um, So early, early stage can mean, you know, you're you're talking about a business with a million dollars in recurring revenue, right? You can also talk about seed stage. And anyone who looks at seed seed rounds these days um, know that they are, you know, bigger and more established than, you know, you know, it's a kind of ongoing trend seed rounds, our businesses valued at $10 million, right? So now we have pre-seed as a round. And um, and we're still talking early stage because pre-seed rounds are still 500 grand rounds, uh, you know, whatever those caps, you know, Silicon Valley caps are different from New York caps or different from everywhere else in the world caps. But, um, and I know we're talking in like VC language here, but I think that's a big point of the narratives uh, coming out of venture capital are a big reason why we have these defined stages. And, and yeah, early stage, Means one thing to venture capital, it means many things, but it means those things to venture capitalists. And I mean, it and it means an entirely different thing to a founder. For a founder, the early stages is like I have an idea, I'm thinking about a problem. I might have a buddy who I'm hacking with. I might have, you know, I might have an MVP in market, and I'm sweating. Is am I going to be a revenue based business or am I going to go for venture? I, the the conversation, the things that founders think about when they're in their actual early stages, call it. You know, this is why we talk about day one, right? But within the first, you know, six months of of starting, right, or maybe even you know that first year, even, right, uh, is often, man. There's so many different tangents we can go on this because things take way longer than you think, right? So this mm-hmm. early stage that I'm trying to redefine is so much longer than you think. It's so much more difficult. It's a special kind of hard. Um, and it's not even close to the early stage that most of venture talks about. So I don't know. I probably took us on a few different paths and tangents here, but I think we're re we're rewriting a narrative of what it is like to be an early stage founder. And uh, you know, it's optionality. It's starting from a place of sustainability. It's deciding. It's actually not deciding if you're going to bootstrap or be a venture backed founder or have a side hustle. It's recognizing that, it's going to be emergent. It's going to, you know, maybe some inflection points along the way will push you one way or the other, but um, yeah, you as a founder don't have to follow one path and just knowing the options and the ways to do it is just going to create an explosion of activity for entrepreneurs. We've, st- we've started with one question.
0: and We've got about 20 directions we can go in. I love the word um, emerging. I want to talk about that a bit more, but so this idea of like, these points, I think you make a really great point about um, early stage being not as early as often people think it is, or sometimes later than people think it is. Why do you think these kind of points, these preset points exist? Is it just for convenience for the investment community? Or is it just an easy way to kind of box people into into groups? Like, are you, and obviously, you've got backgrounds working in investments, so like what? Yeah, what's the reasoning behind the,
1: that setup? Someone should definitely join in and add to the thoughts to this conversation, because I'm a participant, been around venture, came out of a startup studio, which is a venture firm, but you know I was never an investor. And the simplest way that I could explain it is is yeah, funds set theses that have a decently long lifespan, right? A 10-year funds, three to five-year investment window. Um, you know, they spend a year raising it and and they're pitching a store they're pitching a we do this thing and that thing includes uh you know thesis around i want to see companies at this stage with this traction i write this size of a check this is what i expect to happen this is how many winners i expect to get and yeah they sort of they define a thing so it creates you know points and like all industries um you know maybe the the good models get copied um it becomes a bit of a a narrative, or even just a, a kind of going to what people understand. Therefore, you kind of pitch the same things. Right. And so it's, it is a reason that's like the idea of like raising two on 10 or two on 12 is, it kind of is a statement that people get. And, you know, it, it's almost like a, it's like shorthand, right? It's literally like a stereotype. It creates a heuristic of like, oh, that's where you are. One, it's like a, you understand the lingo. So we're on the same page, but also, yeah, it just kind of like reduces the mental complexity of of where folks are. and so um so yeah, there's probably a i won't there's probably a little bit of laziness in that in the sense that it's what everybody people are going towards the kind of known thing versus trying to define new stage, but it's also probably the efficient, smart way to talk about, hey, I invest here, 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 right. Um, but the most pernicious side of all that is probably the right word it's not good is that it leads to it's an investor first framework of thinking right it's not because the founders hit those points and do these things right it's very much how investors invest and what they're looking for in in startups and um and it's created this ecosystem where it's 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 like hot and sexy to break into vc right it's like i want to be a solo capitalist i want to be the one writing these checks and um in the end venture is a tiny industry and founder you know being an entrepreneur is is dwarfs it in terms of in terms of size scale and just a number of folks out there and so so yeah I think it's time that folks find these different well I don't know uh that's probably why um I think there's probably other ways to con- to construct the, the 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 journey so it's maybe less of a point less of a label and more of a and more of, yeah, a journey that people are going on and they can, uh, you know, make their own way.
0: Yeah, and I want to dig into this idea of early stage a bit more, because I I think it's easy for founders to get pulled into that kind of point-based or label-based way of thinking, which can be helpful sometimes, depending on what you're building. But I think a lot of the time it can be confusing, disempowering it can maybe even contort or distort the venture into something different and I think you made a good point right at the start about like what does early stage actually consist of and there's so much in there and when we think about kind of the traditional investment points or stages early stage actually a lot later than early early stage can you can we dig into like sort of pulling apart some of the pieces of those early days, yeah. What, what you what you've seen and what what you think it should look like.
1: Yeah, I, I I would say you're right. So you're getting down to where the rubber hits the road. And and what does a founder do to play into these points, into these milestones that are sort of stated? You know, I think most folks recognize that there's a lot that happens before seed, <laughs> right? Seed used to be the first, um, and now seeds are a kind of you've made it milestone. Um, with plenty of action and investment happening beforehand so you know I don't think folks any longer are quite saying that's where I'm going towards when they're early right they don't they they recognize there's there's a lot to do so they do have a pre-seed and to be fair before that it is a little bit there, there's, there's a little bit more diversity of what someone's path might take, right? The idea of a pre-seed round is not quite as structured as the idea of a, of a seed round. Um, it uh, often is, you, you know, not even a round. It's not even a moment in time. It's, uh, you know, a good way a founder can go about this is just to start building and then as needed or as they come across or as they, um, as it fits their strategy, raise money right you know one check at a time in a rolling basis maybe their price point goes up right because they're making more progress um the uh the fact that there would be these like pre-seed rounds or these angel rounds or these whatevers um is actually a little bit of a it's not quite even as necessary as when you have a lead and you need to like rally people around terms and set prices and stuff so um but yeah i i think the most Challenging part of it is when a founder basically says, I must raise money, whether that's because they must raise it to get started, which is a very big fallacy, right? Or whether they say, I must raise it to sort of validate myself and be on be real, right? Um, and they they both would kind of get in the way of what a founder would otherwise do, right? So, in the former, if you think raising money is the first part of the journey or is anything but a, a kind of an outcome of otherwise good work and showing promise and progress, then 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 you're going to kind of play the wrong game, right? And um, you're going to think that life is about getting to know the investors. Um, you're going to, um, yeah, probably stay in idea lands and not get building and not get started on your stuff. Um, the the folks who break that mold are the folks who are natural builders, right? They are folks who kind of feel empowered. They don't need anyone's help or dollars to go hire the people to go make the thing because they're makers, they're builders. What I'd say to that is everyone can be a maker or a builder today. There's so many tools, um, whether it's you know coding with no code, right, and building technology without having the code, or you know you can you can. Get a supply chain set up and make a product and use free design services and sell it on shopify um again like there's there's ways to like the capital requirements for getting started are so low that it's there's very little real barriers so um so yeah if, if founders aren't starting for that reason that's a shame um because you should get started and you can if founders Maybe and maybe I've said that out loud and I'm and now I'm thinking to myself, maybe no one believes that anymore. So let's hope we put that one to bed, right? People get started, it's possible, let's do it. Must you raise money now, that the, that second point, right? Must you, or is this like the thing that you do when you're successful, right? Um, I'm excited that a lot of folks are getting the word out there that you don't need to, especially if you're all successful in small ways, right? If you've taken that mindset of I can make, I don't need money to get started, um, whether you're working on a side hustle, whether you find yourself having saved up a bit to go take a shot at this if you can turn a business on and be profitable and or have cash flows um, you you have a lot of options the world's you know you can do a lot of things the the crux of a business is still building something people want right um, There is still whether you' venture or not that elusive product market fit moment right I've got something that, the world is pulling it out of me out of you the, into the from the business into into the world and yeah you know startups are funded to be these machines that are meant to learn enough to find product market fit what if you were a machine that could find product market fit unto yourself right what if you were able to experiment try things ship things and see if you've got something and you'd never go all in until you've got it I think that world exists. So, <laughs> um, at that point, you don't need to be a funded startup, or will never ever need to be a funded startup. Because if you have product market fit, again, like I said, the world's your oyster for for ways that you build and grow this in a slow and steady way. Other kinds of, of funding, or go for the moon and and, and raise venture. So, so yeah, it's uh, I. I th- those are, those are ways that are, are, I'm not, you know, the first to think of these paths. I'm watching them happen. I'm seeing people talk about them. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe I'm sort of like, you know, chasing ghosts here. and It's no longer <laughs> this sort of going paradigm, but I think it still is. And I think it, I think it does dominate. Um, maybe we'll, we'll put the, the nail in the coffin after this chat. You and I, huh. Howard, we're, we're shifting the whole <laughs> he goes we, this will, down. We, we will see we will <laughs> see
0: um we'll see what emerges which leads me to the word that you used around emerges emerging i think that's a really interesting word and i think going back to the idea of labels and points that doesn't always account for the word emerging hmm. and i think at early stage when we're talking the early stage we're talking about like so su- super early when things are just gestating or brewing and there's not a thing there yet um maybe there are things like risk appetite, maybe we need money, maybe we don't, uh, Mm self-help, confidence, Mm -hmm. learning how to use tools, like all, can can you speak about from some of the stuff you've seen at day one, the things that emerge in this early stage that aren't, that can't be sort of hit to a point, they're more fluid and textured than just like nailed to a particular point or stage.
1: Yeah, honestly so much of it in reality nothing is nailed to a particular point or stage right it is inherently outcome driven it is inherently it is you know the activity and what you are all the proof is in the pudding right do you have customers do you have a product did you go do it do you have the can you show it um the uh but the other real construct in there and emerging um that I think a lot about is like like founder dumb itself. Am I a founder, right? That's where it starts, right? Um, and that's actually just a big, big mental switch. <laughs> am I one or not? Um, to be fair, it's like product market fit. You know it when you feel it. Like you will, f- you will feel being a founder and you will look back and you'll be like, huh, I didn't have those feelings before. There was a time where I wasn't and now I, I am. Um, I'll tell you, literally with building day one, now that I am this far into it and know what I'm feeling (laughs) that are evidence of founderdom, of being a founder. Um, There were times when I was early days, early, early days, when I was just throwing the idea around with people. Um, I might've said I'm thinking about a thing and it might not have had a name or it might be called day one and those feelings were not there, right? So um, there is a sort of, there there are thresholds where um, we're, you will not be able to avoid being a founder and entrepreneur to be fair what those are is when things are live and out there when you have customers relying on you employees relying on you investors relying on you um, when things become real right the so so if there is one point that really really stinking matters it's being real shipping hiring raising money just having a going concern that's going right that is probably the only major inflection point and in, like the sum of those, right? Um, everything else is is labels. Everything else is sort of put on by ourselves, right? Am I a venture backs founder or I don't know, am I building a startup, right? Cause I don't have Paul Graham equals scale going for me. Like Paul Graham's startup equals scale going for me. Am I, whatever am I? So, So, yeah, I mean, people have all sorts of frames for whether they're an entrepreneur or not yet, or they're going to be, I'm a future founder, I'm exploring it. I am it. Um, it honestly, doesn't matter. Right. It really does not matter. Um, the, the thing that matters is are you doing some of the stuff, right? Are you trying things out? Are you building things? Are you getting into market, talking to customers, recruiting customers, selling customers, Um and so I don't know, to bring it all the way back, the idea of emergence, right? The idea that you know the early stage has this, should have this sense of the idea the business is emerging, it will only do so if you're doing the stuff, if you are, if you are doing the entrepreneurial work, right? Which is to take ideas and make them real, to take, you know, to take a hypothesized problem that a customer has and learn enough about it to say, I'm solving it and see if you can't get them get them to pay for it. So the uh, one thing that we focus on all day inside of day one is all the learnings are on the other side of the actions, right? You have to go talk to a customer. You have to go, first you have to go write down who you think the customer is. Cause I, you won't even learn if you just start talking to people, if you don't even write it down, put a persona together, you know? So, you know, there's a little bit of walk before you run, but like, First, I bought, like, put it down as a, on paper and then go talk to them. And that's where the learning is. Then go design a prototype and ship it. And that's where the next learning is. And then go put up a landing page and see if you can't sell it. And that's where the next learning is. And so, um, and, and, and back to like the, th- I guess maybe to try to tie some pieces together, back to our earlier thought and conversation of these points and stages. Um, all these things are doable at all times, right? One, you should always be doing these experiments and shipping and out there, getting out there with your customers as a founder, because um, if you stop learning, you're going to stagnate, right? Um, but also, you don't have to be anywhere. You don't have to be a founder. You don't have to be launched. You don't have to be in, funded to go do these things. So just go be a founder. <laughs> just go be an entrepreneur, um, and it's self fulfilling because you'll you'll create and you'll find yourself on the other side of it, maybe, maybe by accident. Um, that's fine. The accidental entrepreneur, that's, that's, that's going to be a new category.
0: If I, if I can try and sort of summarize the last couple of bits we've been talking about, it's, there's, a, there's a big early stage that comes before the kind of uh, traditional early stage, I'm using quote marks, and that is off, there's a lot of emerging stuff in there. We don't know, and often as a founder, you don't know what's going on. And it's okay to be emerging. However, when it's emerging, that's not enough. Emerging doesn't work on its own. You still have to push or give, there needs to be some sort of energy or force behind it. Emergent stuff just doesn't happen. You can't just sit there and expect it to emerge from out of you un- unbidden. It ne- there needs to be some sort of force multiplier behind it of some sort, which is usually just grind.
1: Yeah, likely. and and... and, and... No, you nailed that. And I think just the one piece I'll add to that is it is grind. It is, it is doing the things. Um, entrepreneurial people will have ideas. They'll be amongst other the entrepreneurial people. If, if you're in like the best place for, if you're, if you're, if you find yourself in the right place, you might start to see things like, oh my gosh, we should do that together. Okay. Like you might see energy happen at the talk level, at the idea level. But I promise you, nothing real will happen, and you won't really know if your ideas are good, or you won't really learn what you need to learn unless you go into something, right? And so, and so the caveat—well, not the caveat—but you're right. The the way I, I frame the idea of you know emerging is by, yeah, I mean, you're making it emerge. You're birthing a business. You're pushing it out. <laughs> um, I don't know if we want to continue with that metaphor at all, but it it is very much um, on you as you'd imagine, right? I don't think anyone is thinking like, oh, the business, would has happened, right? Um, but what I'll tell you is, I don't know, it feels like I'm living through this right now, um, just in building a business, right? That it's on you, you have to go do the things, um, you have to be shipping, you have to be launching, and it, uh, and it's hard. It, it's back to just like the understatement of the century. Even if you know what you need to do and you think you do, or it's two it's there's, there's two common things I find. So back to maybe, maybe to take us to like two common things I find with folks in this very early stage, right? One is that they wanna explore, right? And they wanna think about ideas and see if they're excited enough to go at an idea. And what I say to that is, don't do that. Don't sit there and explore and think about ideas. You've probably already been exploring and thinking more than enough. let's Let's go pick an idea and go at it. And let's just run at it for three months. And I will bet you that you will, in those three months, you'll refine your idea. You'll go deeper than you thought, right? It's that adage like we underestimate what we can do in 10 years, but overestimate what we can do in one. At any time scale, that's true, right? So let's go at it for three months. You'll be surprised at how far you get. You will practice. You probably haven't done that three months of work ever before, unless you've been a multi-time entrepreneur, right? Meaning those are hard yards, and you're going to learn a ton by just doing it, regardless if the idea sucks or not you're going to make the idea better you're going to ultimately truly find if it's good or not and the odds are that if you just jump and do it you'll you'll go through all of that and the time it would have taken you to like think and explore and three months goes by fast right so every time i hear somebody say that, i'm just like just 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 pull the trigger just go and you know everyone has a little bit of this risk aversion of like but what if i pick the wrong idea then you three months later you just pivot or you just drop it and you start over um you but now you'll have benefited from practicing you'll have benefited from deeply going at something you'll have benefited from making some cool friends and collaborators along the way so no so the one of the main things that i i try to get people to do is just get off the couch and go for it right the other thing the other side that i find very common is folks who have done enough to create something have some momentum an mvp a customer or two, and i mean i'm in this camp um and then you start to lose sort of your, your fundamentals. Right. Um, and this is where you, you really wish you had just a drill sergeant kind of keeping you to task, um, staying thoughtful out of, you know, keeping yourself from making this assumptions about your next thing that you were hopefully prevented from making about your first thing. Right. So you validated your assumptions or you invalidated your bad assumptions. You, um, you were very action-oriented. You were staying very close to your customers and you know listening with open ears versus like wanting to hear what you, you know, think you you want because your your product is live and it must be true, <laughs> right? In fact, yeah, I'm fam- I'm familiar with that one for sure. <laughs> it's probably harder to be honest and thoughtful once you're in it because now you have a hundred other things to do as well. So why should you be talking to your customers every week when you've got to you know do one-on-ones, and manage a team, and just like make sure people get you know, make sure people pay you and you are like chasing that down and you know all the ancillary stuff of building a company get in the way of running a good of being a good entrepreneur and um and the, the reality is you're far from out of the woods right you are so far from out of the woods um and so i think actually that's one of the most dangerous points of being an entrepreneur and I'm not, and we have, I have, I'm not even trying to map this to like a stage of funding or anything that's usual nomenclature, right? But that that moment where you've got something and you aren't there yet is is the toughest because it's all going to stack up and you're going to get distracted. I'm kind of feeling that, <laughs> to be honest. We were talking about that even before recording, right? Yeah. I'm just in the middle of it, so I can empathize with all the entrepreneurs who are, <laughs> you know, needing to uh to kind of go through this phase. I'm going um, so I uh, we're we're gonna get into prodding and
0: probing into your inner psyche around day one shortly. Mm. Um but before we get before we get there, I am actually remind so the the first point you mentioned about the sort of three go chase something for three months, go do the thing, just go and do it. Um I'm reminded of one of my favorite podcast hosts is a guy called Brian Copperman, who's the showrunner for billions and wrote Oceans 13, a bunch of other screenplays. Um he runs a great podcast, and, and he talks about like for, this is kind of for creative professionals, but I think any kind of entrepreneurial endeavor this applies to, like go ahead and chase your dreams, fine, but you have to do it with rigor. You have to do it with rigor, and it's and I think a lot of people get caught in the I'm going to go chase my dream, but forget the rigor bit. And I think the rigor is what you get into around like the just go like hard yards, heads down it for a bit and see what happens. And I think that's the thing that we can easily forget really forget that. and it kind of segues into what i wanted to uh, ask you about next which is inputs and outputs and the diff- particularly running something like day one where you see some people coming from maybe entrepreneurial backgrounds some people maybe coming from kind of corporate backgrounds can you talk about the difference between uh regular jobs i'm using quote marks um and kind of entrepreneurship in like in- how inputs and outputs sort of shift yeah. mindset shift
1: it's, it's the biggest shift, and it's, if, if, if thing number one as an entrepreneur is just to like be active, be rigorous, go do the things thing. Number two is recognizing, well, th- that's the how this is the why this is the why, right? So in every, in most normal jobs, most, you know, corporate jobs, air quotes there uh, also in school, right? We are rewarded on getting the inputs, right? We're rewarded on doing the thing well, um, and you might be like, no, I do the thing and I get the grade. It's because they're they're so closely tied, right? Um, you you run a great meeting and your boss sees it and you know you've just kind of leveled up for promotion next year, right? You um, run great reports, and ultimately, especially in the context of business, you know the outcomes are at the bottom line of a balance sheet. And in most businesses, um, you're not really that rewarded on it, right? You, you know, we all know that you can do a great job while a ship sinks and' like make a career out of it, right? Um, it's because you're not an entrepreneur. <laughs> you're rewarded on the inputs and the outputs don't quite matter to you. Being an entrepreneur is just the, is the complete inverse of that situation, where you're only, the outcomes matter to you wholly. You are only measured on the outcomes. Whether your business starts to become profitable, you have happy customers. I mean, the bottom of it, do you make money, right? So you are wholly in the money and relying on, you know, the outcomes matter. But unlike before, where you knew, you know, you could maybe kiss up, maybe do the right stuff, and the inputs kind of led you up the ladder. At this point, you have no idea which inputs will get you those outcomes because you're doing something brand new. It's not a system, a game to be played, right? It's not that if you study more, you'll get a good grade and, you know, teacher will love you. It's you might study more and realize we're literally studying the wrong thing, right? You might be focused on a a specific customer and realize it's the wrong customer. You might have a value prop or a price point that's wrong and everything is a variable, right? And so you don't know what's going to work, but the outcome's, matter all the more so it's a total mental shift that will play with you because you'll you'll the thing that i find and again i i fight this all the time is 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 it erode your confidence of what to do next right you have all these you literally have a whole menu of things you can do you don't know which one's going to work and the only thing that matters is that it works just just imagine staring that in the face at like every day at every interval right what do i do next i'm not sure it's going to work but it better (laughs) because my livelihood depends on it. Um, That quandary is what leads us back to the first thing, right? Well, the only way is to go fast and hard and to try things. If you overthink it, you're not gonna know whether it works, right? So you gotta pick one of those options, those unknown options, you gotta do it, see if it led to the outcomes you wanted. And if it didn't, you better hope you went fast enough that you have more shots in the the tank, right? and then when it starts to work that's when you start to double down you can repeat Um, but you're gonna have the next challenge right um those those early things that worked will start to not work a competitor will come in life will change you'll run out of that market whatever it might be so so yeah it's uh it kind of is a construct the idea of you know you you have all these inputs you don't know if they're going to work that defines your life as an entrepreneur right you better be ready for that you better be ready for living through massive uncertainty um and and I don't know <laughs> sometimes you, I don't wish we, it on people <laughs> oftentimes it's tough were you ready? were you ready for it i we'll see <laughs> we'll see we'll see um, I think I'm uh, I mean it's it's kind of a known bad situation that you know founders have poor mental physical health, right um, <laughs> that it's 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 sort of a undercurrent of like what's eating it's like an externality that's not accounted for and um i'm probably at the average which means not great in terms of of what it does to you um in uh in managing the anxiety or like the extra work it takes to do these things um it's tough to square because in the end if you're doing something properly new and you, you're, you know, that equation that's going to work input to output isn't known, you're going to try a lot of stuff and it's all going to fail. So you have to have like the ability to gear up for failure, come out the other side, know what, you know, know what you learned or hopefully learn a lot, try again, rally a team, maybe rally yourself. Um, you know, you have to deal with failure. That's thing number one. They talk about that a lot, but you have to be able to deal with it. You, um, you can't sit in the indecision, right? Indecision will kill you every single time. And so just make decisions, right? And again, the hallmark of an entrepreneur is making decisions, doing things, learning quickly. Um, I cannot remember who who said it, that put this idea in my mind, but there's two types of doors, doors you can come back through and doors you can't. And there's very few doors where if you go through it, you can't come back. Those are the ones where you think long and hard, right? Do you, to be fair, very little is irreversible, right? But some, it's hard to re- reverse who you co-found with. So think a lot about that, right? Um, you can't give money back once you've taken it from an investor, usually, right? Think a lot about that. But if you can just switch your ads up next week, just go do it and learn, and then go back through the door if you've messed it up, right? So I don't know, I have little little twists like that, sometimes might help get through the indecision and anxiety, but yeah, I don't know, sometimes it's it-, is it
0: is it fair to say that it's easy to think too long about the wrong doors?
1: Yeah. Yeah. If we're going to get meta, the, like the ultimate wisdom is knowing which doors are which, right. Or the ultimate not ultimate, but like a good piece of having the right stuff is knowing which doors are which and treating them as such, making sure other people know that as such. Right. Um, you might, you might get tagged as somebody who's a little uh, scatterbrained if you try a lot of things, right? You have to be able to lead people through this, right? Um, especially in the early days of, an, of a team, of, an, of, a, of a venture. Um, yeah, knowing which doors, and then, and then again, you still have to decide of those, even those reversible doors, like we're just gonna go do this, you're still gonna feel, well, we don't have infinite shots. So how do we prioritize, how do we decide? And then at the bottom of it, just to like articulate the feeling, even if you know you have enough shots to go figure it out eventually, even picking the first one, knowing it's going to be wrong, is tough, <laughs> right? Even just saying I'm going to go do something when it's probably going to be wrong because I'm going to do the next thing a little bit better—that's pretty much what you're signing up for as an entrepreneur. So get ready.
0: <laughs> what uh, we were talking about, like kind of rewiring, kind of inputs and outputs a bit, and like there's obviously like a whole bunch of re- rewiring that happens uh, when moving into doing this kind of thing. Can you talk about what you rewired going and becoming a founder? And maybe maybe particularly some things you rewired that you didn't expect.
1: Yeah. I'd say the biggest thing that I'm sitting on right now, and it's and it's and it's large it's less because of this experience building day one and more because of watching and helping and being in the game my previous role. So I was, you know, building ventures at human ventures, startup studio here in New York. Um, got to see, you know, got to journey with a lot of founders at the, the beginning when it was easy and then got to see them and, you know, be a little more on the sidelines cheering them on as it got hard. <laughs> Sounds like a great role, but also um, I, I did get to see how it went and um, a lot and I saw all sorts of different founders take all sorts of different mindsets and approaches to hitting the, hitting walls and things not working right. And and, I, and it, the lessons didn't become clear until I sat in this seat until I was building something myself as a founder. But you know the truism, the thing you'll read in like Eric Reese's Lean Startup is that an, a, a startup, a new venture, is a learning machine. You're basically just trying to take enough shots on goal to figure something out that's going to work and you're losing until you're winning right you you are you are usually a sort of sloping to zero you know whether it's, it's a budget or just you know time uh, and and it's your job to basically experiment widely enough and deeply enough to go try things so i've seen far too many founders experiment within too narrow a cone too narrow an aperture, a window of, of their initial thesis, right? So they basically set off on a thesis and said, this is the thesis. This is the thing we're going to do. And now I'm going to hustle and try a lot of things, but they never switched big enough, right? They stayed, you know, with a strong belief. So you have to be a believer as a founder, but that when that belief's too strong, you, you can ride yourself to the end, right? You can ride it all the way down. And in hindsight, you can realize, well, you didn't find it in that small, narrow cone. Therefore, the armchair quarterback gets to say, you should have taken a bigger swing. You should have looked further afield, right? Um, I kind of sit here seeing founders both stay within their cone far too, like to the ground. Uh, I've seen founders take big swings, try things and still never find it, right? Maybe look for a little better each big swing. And... To be fair, I do, da- I do not have a unified theory of what exactly it looks and feels like to know you're staying in in operating too narrowly. Because these founders probably felt like they were hustling really hard, trying a lot of different things, only from the outside to be like, but yeah, it's not gonna work. And then the founders who take big swings and it still doesn't work, you're like, well, it's not that's not the thing. You still have to do the right things and try enough of the right things. All that to say, I sit here and I think, the rewiring I've had or the thing that's gotten clearer as I build a business is I'm trying to discern the tea leaves of, are we doing the right stuff in our, in our aperture? Are we, are we, you know, and let's say that involves a lot of hustle and a lot of trying new things in a window. And then at what point do you say, let's widen the window significantly. Right. Um, I think every founder Kind of lives in that and that's one way i'm gonna maybe just construe the idea of like you work on something and at some point you realize it's not working so maybe that's not quite a mindset but it is sort of the dominating mental model that i have around ultimately what you're doing when you're building a business that once it gets going and you're searching you're from past it's going to we've made it right um I guess the 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 way to bring it back to a rewiring is it's ultimately outcomes focused, right? You truly, truly have to say, if I'm not seeing what I really need to see, um, then we should try another thing, right? And not being satisfied with what you're doing. Hope is not a strategy, right? It's not gonna eventually just turn around. So um, one thing that I've seen a lot of founders Get wrong is to not have a high enough bar for outcomes, right? They sort of think, "Oh, I'm doing the right stuff to warrant the next, you know, micro moments in the in the journey." This maybe is happens a lot in the VC world where they say, "Well, I'm doing enough to get a seed round or the next round, right?" Um, But you're not doing enough to like basically be a breakout. And to be fair, maybe venture has this right, which is breakout or bust, right? So you should just be looking for that like real inflection point of product market fit. Um, but yeah, I think having a high bar for what outcomes look like or having the right bar at the very least is necessary, um, to kind of, I don't know, give yourself a, a cal- calibration, right? Are you on the right track or not? And at what point, but I probably get my head too much into that mindset too. It's a little, it's a little too, uh, meta at times to sit here and just think about are we, you know, it's not it's not the job of an entrepreneur just to like assess the business, but to like do the things, try the things and 80 to 90% of your time needs to be in just getting the things done and putting the things into the world.
0: I wanted to talk about putting yourself out in the world when it's at somewhat meta level. And what I mean by that is you're building a business for building businesses. And so I think there's inevitably a degree of maybe not leading by example, um, but maybe there's also some sort of like imposter syndrome that may show up from time to time. I'm sort of talking from my own experience of being in a sort of similar space Mm -hmm. to you guys of when you're still figuring it out. But part of the premise of what you're doing is that people join you because joining you, means they can figure it out and can you just talk about how it feels to be putting yourself out in the world with that kind of premise that's sort of baked into what you're doing
1: it might not be that different from anyone putting any any, something into the world that says you know i've got your solution right um i've got your fix right because at some point you're either going to help people or you're going to disappoint them um one thing that I know that gives me a lot of con- confidence, or even just sort of like a, you know, a safety blanket to what we're building, is, um, is is so much of what we're doing is community related. So much of what we're doing is in conjunction with our fellows, the founders that that work with us. That I know so much of what we're building is bringing good things out of them right so and so so i don't know if i'm getting to the thought of in a meta way a lot of what we're doing is already beholden in them right like somebody could take a decently cynical view of what we're doing and be like yeah everyone's able to meet the people that you're about to introduce them to and like do the things that's like all published somewhere isn't it i'm like yes yes it is right but it's uh um So maybe that just comes down to what I know is the confidence of when you put people in the together and you guide them through these things way more than the sum of their parts comes out. Um, So there's, there's a special construct to what we're doing, you know, is what I'm getting at, right? There's a special value. There's a special math to the, to the value we're creating that isn't the same as just like, do I use a service or eat that food and find value in it? Right. And do I want to repeat it? Um, There's, there's. And it's something that I've seen and been a part of for a while. Right. So I have truly never been a part of whether I was teaching at Parsons or facilitating at Accenture or guiding founders at human where these tactics didn't do a ton of good for the people who were participating. Did it always get to the, like the unicorn outcome? No, often it doesn't, but it's about the journey, not the outcome. Um, so I'm not, I mean, kind of being careful not to, to in some ways, state that this is just like voodoo, right? It's not just like, it's not just like, uh, we're not just, it's not just like snake oil, right? Um, if if you've been in a community like Indie Hackers, or YC's startup school, or any of these like really big places where entrepreneurs gather, you've invariably not felt what I'm talking about. <laughs> right. And so I, uh, I kind of know that, and I I'm saying a lot of these like confident words, no, and felt from my experience. Um, the real thing reason I know is because we did it once already <laughs> and it was our MVP and all these things came true, right? The founders and the fellows were a big part of why this thing was successful. The, um, Yeah, but like every class I've taught has been like that, right? Every workshop I've facilitated has been like that. So, no, it's a a slightly different, honestly, I, I wouldn't probably be able to get to where I am if I didn't hold these beliefs, right? If I wasn't confident in me doing it and the thing we're doing, actually being both meta, meta in the way you described, but in a way that like is... Is a very high floor for what we're doing, right? Um, versus uh, versus being like a tough thing, right? It's kind of the thing that I like. Ball sleeps at night too. Of like, man, these are the greatest people, and they're they're playing ball with us.
0: So I, I I totally hear you on like the kind of facilitation and peer learning and community part. I think I think something that can be hard is. Conveying the value of that. And you kind of mentioned if you've been in mm. certain other things, you may not have ever experienced it before. And if you if you haven't if it's not tangible and you haven't felt it before, it can be hard to convey. Um That's you, got, true. You, got, you guys are what I would call non-guru based, let's say. Like there is no yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. there is
0: no kind of say sage who is the or figurehead. You know, day, day one is the brand, obviously you as a co-founder are, are fairly visible, but it's not built around you. It's built around day one more than the more than you specifically. And I just wonder how mm. you know, a lot of stuff that's online now in terms of courses, workshops, programs, is, is very kind of guru based, for want of a better word. I just wonder how you how you guys sort of work with that and how you see the sort of this space emerging Yeah. No,
1: you are highlighting okay, I wasn't going there, but you're totally right. The the, you're right not everybody but there was there was one strong commonality when we were recruiting for our first class of what people were looking for um and so in some ways we actually have an amazing loop where we get to learn by listening to our applicants and our customers right and um every you know to a t folks are here for the entrepreneurial community right and so so our early adopters were folks who were already over that bar, right? They were there to basically get past the surface level, the noisy, whether it was a Slack group or the indie hackers or whatever, right? Um, I think that is, that's absolutely still true. Um, the second cohort, we're also seeing an added layer of people who are looking for sort of that functional guidance, right? And it's a mix of, and it might be functional guidance first, like I know there's you know ways to do this, Again, it's out there. You can go read the whatever Sam Altman's startup playbook. It's not bad, right? Um, but the I, the actual down to earth guidance. So there is a come for the thing, for the for the for the value exchange, for the scratch my itch. Um, and then, but I know that it's 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 stay for the not just the community, but the accountability. Stay for the momentum, right? And the way that. We bring it out of you, right? So all that to say, you're right. Without a guru, it's an uphill-ish battle because you're asking people to like believe in themselves. Um, that's one way we're combating it, is to say, like, no, but you know, because you know, Andrew came out of a venture studio and knows how this sausage gets made, we can unpack that. So in some ways, we're becoming a little more course-like than, than other communities like this to differentiate, to say, like, this is a thing. You do this. We do this. Um, and then all these other pieces that you get. Because the gurus work because they kind of brainwash you to opt in. And then everything I've said takes over. Right? <laughs> um, and, and, and then, like, you are your own... You like you, you you do the work <laughs> on behalf of the guru to like make yourself better to do this self self work to invest in your in your business right and so so no we're we're billing ourselves as being functionally better <laughs> for entrepreneurs uh, and a lot of people are taking us up on that so we'll uh but again, and then and then I know we are better and you can be better by us getting it out of you so we're gonna kind of win on two fronts I think at least I don't know that's the grandiose way to say it
0: (laughs) when we talk about the horror of trailing off i think we talked about it through i think there's a couple of things uh where it came up when last time we chatted and i think one was around product hunt and launching and there was some sort of misconceptions around like what a launch is and like the stuff you guys learn from that and i I think we're doing sort of the horror of trailing off i think it's I think it relates to when you're putting things out there, whether it's like marketing things or applications or whatever it is like there. And I think for any founder, even when something starts to work and you you sort of mentioned you double down on it, Mm -hmm. but what happens when it starts to trail off and like, there is the horror of like the first spike and then it just starts to kind of ebb away. Can you, can you talk about that? And maybe also like talk about your experience of like launching on product hunt and what you've learned doing that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'd say, so as an entrepreneur, right, you, you, I don't know, the energy that you have when you first launch is something that is extremely exciting, extremely real. And if you have anything like, like our experience, um, people will rally around you, right, to the extent that you've, you know, built a network or have people you've worked with, right? Um, it's something that we have folks inside of day one do is get their stuff out there, Right. But, you know, things do, def- do not go to plan um, at all. They, uh, uh, the, And there's so much more to the sausage getting made than I think people understand, right? Is I think maybe the place to to take this. The the stuff that you see on the front is very much just the window dressing, right? The work that it takes into, and, you know, people tell you, here's the guide to launching on Product Hunt and it's pretty extensive. Um, I'll tell you from our experience, the, the two things that were basically needed to to launch well. One was, um, I mean, one was we kind of lucked into the fact that in my sort of building up ahead of steam on day one, I probably talked to 150 people um, who were now primed, right? And when it came out, it was like, oh, this is cool, right? This is Andrew jumping off the ledge. Let's let's support this, right? And um, if you looked at any of the sort of comments around day one earlier, it was like, man, if you didn't get a chance to work at Andrew and he was that human, work with him now, right? Sort of thing. Um, it took a ton of work to get, the, get those people like warmed up and teed up, and um, and it takes all that work to do it again or again, and it's hard to squeeze that same lemon and so um, and get the same juice out of it. So, so yeah, ev- everything you do requires you know so much behind the scenes, and it's been hard to repeat that because we haven't been able to invest in those same things. We don't have the same like newness. Um, I think back to our Product Hunt launch, we, uh, we you know, we did sort of the basic stuff that they say for you to do. Um, and we kind of shared it with our group and we launched at midnight or whatever. And um, it totally flopped. And I'll tell you, the only reason, but in the end, so, here's, so we had a very lucky fortuitous thing where a friend knew somebody who was still there, um, who was at Product Hunt, who was able to uh, help us get um, pasted to the front page. I think this is probably not knowledge they love to get out, but we'll, we'll throw some, some, some insider info around. Um, we, we, got some help. We got some help that helped us kind of stay current on product time that started to reinforce itself. Um, eventually we had a lot of the strangers, you know, you know, we had, we had people come back and, and, and upvote. we had, um, eventually, you know, product hunt creates its own momentum, and became actually a really important channel for us. Right? It actually became a, a place where we got a, a lot of applications. A number of, of our, you know, best fellows in our first cohort were strangers who found us through product hunt. And the, uh, you know, the real story behind that is like there's there's stuff that happens that you never see, right? That, um, that that really help get anything over the line. And so. I don't know. I think it's important to say those things because the people who are succeeding, you know, here's, here's an anecdote that's not personal that I kind of hear about, which is, you know, all these folks who are winning at the venture capital Twitter game, the VC Twitter sphere, um, there's people behind the scenes coordinating posts and likes and, and shares. And, um, there's groups that are out there to kind of be helpful and promoting. Uh, it's, it's not this egalitarian thing, right? Um, I don't know if I, maybe (laughs) am I doing this? Am I the person who's going to like spill the beans on the insiders? I'm only like a touch inside and I'm probably burning all my bridges as I say all this. Right. But just so you guys know, it's, it's not kind of done without help. Right. And, and to some ways like each channel is its own game, right. Twitter is its own game product hunts, its own game. It's, it's not done without help. And I don't know, I think that's more way more important to be said than like, the fact that I took help, right? I did, like, definitely, and I'm privileged enough to have friends enough in high places to help me out. And um, I don't know, I'm a little ashamed of it, and I'm a little like, you know, let's just like talk about it, right? Because um, it's the game that gets played. It's uh, and it's important that you just know that, right? Entrepreneurs do not get made in a vacuum. <laughs> it's maybe one way to to close that out.
0: Yeah, and I think I think. When, particularly when you're early and particularly solo, like looking at everything else as it were, looking at everything else that's out there, it can feel unassailable. So I think actually what you're saying is quite reassuring in some ways, as much as it can be frustrating, that's like, okay, these other people have got, you know, groups of well-established people around them. I think it can actually be somewhat reassuring and empowering that it's like, okay, it's not that everyone else who's on their own is just better at this than me. I think it's actually recognizing that it's a different game.
1: It's, 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 it's that it's that there's these games that are being played, these pockets of influence that people are tapping into. And, um, actually I was seeing someone tweet about this just, just the, the other day. Um, and if you can build an audience on Twitter, you have a superpower, right? And you have this like prebuilt distribution strategy. doesn't care if you're going to write an ebook or go do a podcast or go launch your business, you know, And obviously you've probably done something to earn that following on Twitter or whatever it might be, right? Like all of us in the VC Twitter sphere kind of think about this. But media in that whole arena is a power law game. Not everyone is gonna win equally, right? The bigger voices will continue to get bigger and it will snowball for the bigger ones. And there's these little moments of breakout and like sometimes algorithms are the gatekeepers, whatever, right? But it's not even close to even a like, linear, you know, function, right? It's a power law. There's a few folks who will get massive and then the vast majority will be a long tail who are kind of nowhere, kind of feeding the beast, right? And so I I think about this all the time. I'm like, I like contribute to this, right? I'm feeding the beast. I'm like chasing my likes and my follows, right? Trying to like scrape my way to the top by liking people who are one rung more popular than me, whatever it might be. Um, Howard, you're a few rungs more popular than me. I so
0: was going uh, to say I'm not. I'm...
1: <laughs> so I like all your stuff in hopes that I can uh, bask in your in your in your halo. But all to say, there's actually there has to be something else, right? So like the internet has been a huge equalizer. The internet has a thousand other platforms, you know, under built on it, right? That are that are ways to go get it, like. Ultimately, building great things that people want um, is is the great equalizer, right? Solving a real problem and getting out there is is a way better equalizer than than you know trying to fight the Twitter fights, right? I don't know. That's that's a little little personal soapboxy thing of like you know um, it's it's it feels like there's like a, this great equalizer distribution channel that is social media, but at the same time it's like I don't know. Not that equal, and it's it, you're better suited to just build an awesome products <laughs> Um,
0: I, I, I agree 100%. And I something I've been thinking about a bit recently is like, as we hopefully start to re and you know, like the theme of this conversation is around sort of redefining what entrepreneurship is and building stuff is. And I think maybe it's better kind of around the middle class almost of like creators or entrepreneurs like maybe you know the the power laws and the unicorns and everything else like and the and the smash hits on spotify wherever it is like we know about that we know about the long tail and the tail can get very very long i think there is this like unseen middle and i think there's there's actually a lot of op- it's a t- it's a tough one to crack but i think there's a lot of interesting opportunity around providing things for this um unseen middle i suppose and so yeah. yeah i think you've touched on something really interesting there
1: yeah and I, one one other thing i think i'll use that construct to kind of give a piece of advice that i think is important which is i mentioned this sort of offhand it's gonna everything you're going to do as a creator as an entrepreneur is going to take way longer than you think right every narrative makes you think it happens fast right like just go watch the social network the movie to be fair Early days, Facebook is the outlier of outliers of outliers, right? But even then, it probably took, you know, years. It took years that the movie makes seem like happens in two hours. Anyway, it will take longer than you think, straight up. Now, imagine that your journey isn't just like a linear version up. That's going to take a long time. It's going to also follow a power law, right? If over time, you sell to a few customers who then tell you about you and you build a little Twitter following, and eventually you might get big, right? Right. Um, and, and, and if you can survive and grow that long, it will start to, you know, it'll look like an exponential curve. Um, but how do you like survive and live that long? That's, you know, instead of thinking, I'm going to go follow that hockey stick and use venture capital to fuel me along the way or die trying, you would have that same hockey stick at a slower trajectory if you can just stay the course. And so a provocative thought is, how do you, how do you build from a sustainable place? How do you build from a place where you're actually getting something created, valuable, but in a way that sustains yourself, right? Whether it's now a a night job or a side hustle, right? There's ways that that's unsustainable. You might, If you don't sleep enough, you're gonna die, right? If you don't have enough other things going on, taking care of yourself mentally, physically, socially, that's not sustainable either. So it's not just financially sustainable, although that's generally the first one, right? But if you can find a place where you're building sustainably, you will accrue to yourself those power law wins. They will compound over time, and, and you'll get there, right? So I don't know. Let's make like an action out of it, right? Build sustainably. Find yourself a spot where you're continually building into something, a business, an entity, in a way that will never run out right? You find it fulfilling enough. You're doing it in your off hours. You're, you find a way to carve out some time in your job because you work remote and your boss doesn't know what you're doing. You, you know, other ways it happens is you get supported by a partner, right? Other ways it happens is you maybe save, right? But if you, if you can build sustainably and you, then you there's so many cool things that happen from that, right? You are in control, right? You're not beholden to go a specific direction or go as fast as an investor would want you to. You, um, There will be something amazingly freeing in your gut if you don't have investors breathing down your back, <laughs> right? Um, I, I'll tell you, if you can get to sustainable and just start to find success, you will be a far happier person than if you have to ride through whatever those years are of like venture capital growth or or even, you know, taking on debt to fund a business, right? Which,
0: which I think a lot, and I think you've yeah. touched on it in a in a couple of ways. And I think yes, there's a financial thing. That's what most people think about. But there's also the use of resources. There's literally sustainability. Like, are you are you using resources in a sustainable way? Are you sustaining your health and mental well being? So there's actually like a lot of different angles to look at it from. And I th- I suppose maybe the offering we're making to people here is think about how you can build sustainably and look at that concept through whatever lenses appeal to you. So I think there's a few ways you can think about it. And I think that, I think that's an appealing thing to consider because I I agree that the burnout and unsustainable nature of building a thing is, is very real. And so thinking about that to go all the way back at
1: the earliest stage you can, I think is a really valuable thing to think about. That's exactly it. And and if we can just retake that back, right, early stage might mean building slow and long, right, for the long term. Early stage is when you are, yeah, just putting those first few things into the world. Heck, what I said earlier about going hard at something kind of isn't sustainable, right? So we have to find the middle ground here between like building sustainably and like getting things shipped but not burning out and what I think is a real important piece of just like go into something, right? It goes in stages. Maybe you go into something until you find it and then you find yourself building sustainably, right? Um, But in some ways, it's just a fun mental thought experiment. What happens? How could you do this without any investment? How could you do this without anyone kind of needing to say yes to you? And then go get creative, right? And it's about knowing yourself as well so like the hard thing is you
0: can go hard if you know you're able to do that without breaking down yeah or you can go hard up to x point or i can go really hard on a tuesday night i can seems to be a great condition for me and then i can rest on wednesday morning or whatever it is and so i think i think it is partly about knowing thyself as
1: well absolutely
0: I know, I know we've only got a couple of minutes on the clock. There's a few. I, I wonder if we could do, whiz, do a little sort of quick fire just to finish things up, if that's okay. Let's do it. I know you've you got places to be, um, but we, I think we've got, we got five minutes. Um, can you share a few skills you've built in the last maybe 12 months that have proved to be maybe surprisingly valuable to you, as you know, particularly as a founder going out and building
1: a thing? What skills have you built? A few things that I know I'm using a lot more are: I'm getting my salesperson hat on, my marketing hat on, thinking, you know, I will probably be able to call myself good at marketing when this is all said and done. Either that, or we'll literally die trying. Um, I, uh, I think that. I think, again, I don't know, man. You're catching me in the hard middle. <laughs> it's hard to think positively of what skills I'm I'm tapping. Um, I think my coalition building. Um, is something that has happened um maybe that's the number one thing that got us even launched is is a lot of people coming around and um you know it's almost nothing more than showing like energy passion and a willingness to bring somebody along and into it and ask the nature of the business helped that we asked a lot of folks to be mentors and and help out um so yeah coalition building and marketing two sides Mm. of one coin i guess
0: i like that yeah um So there's a concept by uh, Jim Collins, I think the author, Um, he, he measures all his days from plus two to minus two. So minus two, minus one, zero, plus one, plus two. I've been using that for like the last year in my morning pages every day, like rating the day previously on the scale of minus two to plus two, with minus two being a bad day. When you have a minus two day, what's most likely to have caused it? And what a couple of the steps you take to sort of recover and get back up to where you want to be?
1: I, uh, I, I realize this about myself is I, I'm, I'm early enough in my entrepreneurial career to like really sweat the outcomes. So if there is a, a string of days where, you know, we don't see a lot of applications come in, or if I have an interview and somebody sort of just like shoots me down, um, they like don't really like what I'm doing. I totally sweat it. So that's the current thing. I'll be real. Um, swings me down pretty far and uh and uh and the only way to get out of that is to I like to collaborate with my team kind of tell them about it (laughs) you know um start to get action oriented and think about like our moves um kind of get into the bigger picture uh you know it generally it almost certainly is the case because we're you know, not out of the woods, right? And in, in one big picture, right? How we're thinking about, you know, getting ourselves that product market fit. And so having things that are needle movers in the pipeline is important, right? So um, saying, okay, we're going to focus on the next big thing. Right? And, right.
0: and it sounds like
1: coalition building, with the team, right? Like you go back to that, that coalition. Which is yeah. Already there. yeah, that's important. And just like getting other people on the phone too, right? you know, being in your head is never a good place to be.
0: Last thing before we close up, because I know you gotta, you got to jump. Um, any other words, advice, thoughts, suggestions, complaints, and, and anything else you want to share? Anything that I haven't asked that you wanted to get into? Before no,
1: I, I, I think it takes longer than you think is the number one piece of advice that will start to like shake up your thinking about your entrepreneurial journey. And then at the same time, the corollary, you know, nothing is discovered, one decided at the surface, so go deep. If you can figure out the way to live in that tension, you're great, along with probably everything else in the middle. Um, I mean, we're building day one around this premise because we're living it. We're actively building with entrepreneurs. So if you're not joining for cohort two, which is coming up, and you join for cohort three, it'll be you know that much more exciting. Um, come along and build with us. It's, uh, you know, we're building the, the, I don't know if the next big thing is where I would say it, but, you know, we're trying to change the game for early stage. So That'll be my plug at the end of this. If you've waited this long, you're a trooper <laughs> to the audience. And, uh, and uh, please come find me because I think we're kindred spirits at this point. <laughs> Living
0: in the tension.
1: I, I relate to that for sure.
0: Uh, look, this has been great. As always, I love talking to you. Uh, thanks for taking the time. I know you've got to bounce because I think you've got interviews coming up. Exactly.
1: I get to talk to some day one uh, potential applicant fellows, which is the best part of my day.
0: All right. I'll let you head. Great to talk to you, man. And see you soon.
1: Talk soon.
0: Hey, it's Howard again. Thanks for listening. Just wanted to let you know that you can access every episode of Under the Current, along with full show notes, links and other resources at underthecurrentpodcast.com and also on our YouTube channel. Under the Current is produced by Wavetable. Learn more at wavetable.net. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next time.